turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 21. Uh, no, sorry, Genesis chapter 12. There's a lot of scriptures that we're going to go through, but they're all in chronological order, thank you, thankfully. And um, they're all in chronologically ordered, but they're very important. Last week we, we preached on the birth of Ishmael, and you can imagine if the astute of you will realize that this week probably going to preach on the birth of Isaac, which is what we are going to preach on. Last week we looked on the circumstances surrounding Ishmael's birth and how he was brought into the world and uh, now we're going to look at Isaac's, how he was brought into the world and how we can overlay that into today's church. Um, so reading from Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, we're going to skip through a lot of verses through Genesis, so just get your flicking fingers ready. Um, so Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So Genesis, move on to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 15. And it says, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Let's move on to Genesis chapter 15. It says, Genesis 15 verse 2, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And behold, the, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine, thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And let's move on to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Let's move on to 17, uh, verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her, Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And there's just two more references. So Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. And they, being God's angels, said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tenth door, in the tent door, and was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I, uh, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, and my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I, surely, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. 
And then the last one is verse tw uh, chapter 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Let's pray. Father, we worship you, O God. We glorify you and thank you, Lord. We ask you for your word here today. We pray, O Father, Lord, that you'd speak to us, O God. Minister your word, O God. Lord, that you'd be here in our midst, O Father. And Lord, that you'd just be here, O God. And Lord, that you'd give open hearts and open ears. Lord, help me, O God, to minister your word in truth, O Father. And Lord, not to get in the way, O God. Lord, anoint this preacher, O Father. Lord, give me liberty, O God. Lord, to preach, O God, from your word, O God. Not my opinion, O God. Not man's opinion. Opinion, oh God, not thoughts, oh Father, ideas, oh God, Lord, but the word of God, pure and simple. Lord, I pray, oh God, show us, oh God, Christ in the midst of your word here today. We ask it in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Saints of God, we read through a lot of scriptures, but there is a reason that we read through all of those scriptures. There are many different references to Abraham becoming a great nation. And as far as I can tell, I captured every single one of them. Last week, we looked at the birth of Ishmael and the circumstances surrounding it. Today, we see the circumstances surrounding um, uh, the, the birth of Ishmael are in great contrast to those of his brother Isaac. Last week, we saw that Sarah was speaking on behalf of God, how she was looking to assist God, how it was Sarah's idea and not God's, and how this new idea came, apart, came about in part due to her being aged. She saw that things had passed, you know, uh, the clock was running out, and she started to get nervous and was seeking after that child. I want us to look at the God, how God's plan is ordered here today. Last week, we saw the plans of man. That was effectively what the birth of Ishmael was. It was something devised in the heart of Sarah to fulfill the lusts of her flesh. And, and you might say, is it the lust of a flesh to have a baby? If it's done not under the headship of God, it absolutely is. It's a natural desire. It's a natural want. But when it takes you outside of the will of God and causes your husband to sin as a result of it, then yes, it is absolutely and unequivocally wrong that was the will of man that was the ideas of Sarah and we spoke about how Sarah can be a type of the modern day church with all of their ideas all of their fascinations with things that are new things that are different not sticking to the word of God but today we're looking at the birth of Isaac and what was that God's perfect sovereign will God's perfect pr sovereign will his plan and purpose from the beginning of time see he was going to use Isaac to bring forth Jacob and all of the sons of Jacob and this seed of many he said if you can count the sand of the seashore you'll be able to count the, the, the children of Abraham if you can count the stars in the sky you'll be able to count the children of Abraham the plans of man and the plans of God are fundamentally different they begin differently they have a different middle they have a different end they have different desires different motivations they are not the same whatsoever but man is very good at trying to make the plans of man look like the plans of God or at least do their best to overshadow it and try make things that aren't so spiritual look very spiritual because you might say of Sarah Oh, I'm just trying to fulfill the will of God. God did specifically say it was going to be a seed of Abraham who was going to uh, bring forth that nation, right? So that's what, that's what he said. So all she's doing is just trying to bring about the will of God. That's not entirely wrong, right? But it's compromise. She's compromising God's will. When God in Genesis chapter 12 first says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. Who is he married to? It's Sarah. God doesn't mention Hagar. If God thought and Hagar should be introduced into the mix, God could have perfectly said to Abraham at that time, Sarah's nice and everything, but we're going to use Hagar to fulfill my will. But that's not the case. That is absolutely not the case. God had always intended when Abraham left or of the Chaldees, back when he started the journey, that it was to be Sarah. She was going to be the mother of all living and all nations. It was to be her, not to be Hagar. 
vigor. And so man is very good at causing mixture and compromise to be introduced into the work of God. And what does it do? It renders it absolutely ineffective. When you take the purity of God's word away, it becomes just another philosophy. You know, the sinners, they often say, Jesus, a good moral teacher, the Bible, a good book of fairy tales and stories. Oh, it's good for kind of, uh, you know, it's good for a little bit of instruction and it, it always tells me things when I need it, but you can't take it literally. Those people are not Christians. They are liars. They could not possibly be born again if they do not believe in the foundational word of God because what is your, what is your, um, uh, what is your life built upon if it's not the word of God? Abraham, when he was in Ur the Chaldees, what did he move at the, at the, at the command of? God. God says, get thee up out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and then I will make you a great nation. He moved on the word of God. He did not move on his own ideas. He did not just decide, say, or the Chaldees, the weather's terrible in winter. Let's go somewhere, somewhere else. No, God said, you need to go, and you need to go specifically according to my word, because we know that he brought Sarah, his, uh, his, his old man, with him. He brought that old man along with him, but he never moved on until he left that old man behind. Until that old man was fully dead, he did not move on. And it's the same with the Christian life. We do not move on until that old man is dead and gone. So what does God's plan look like? Well, no one <clears throat> can be under any illusions as to what God's intentions for Abraham were. We may, he makes it very clear and distinct. He uses many different ways to explain to Abraham. He communicates the same vision at different times over numbers of years. Very, very clear. Very, very distinct. I read through all of those scriptures. And if you had your ears open and you were listening, you could have said one fact about Abraham at the end. He was going to be a great nation. God had said it to him. Not once, not twice, but many different times over many different years. We're talking about a very very long period of time different geographical locations God's plan didn't change once he got to Canaan and he realized there was giants in the land or whatever they may have been it didn't change when you know if his shoes wore out on the journey as he went None of those things. It did not change. He went along with God's plan. It was the same plan. If, if, if you've devised a plan that is impulsive, that does not line up with the word of God, some great, big, huge plan that you believe must be the Lord, and yet you're afraid to speak to your pastor about it, or afraid to seek godly counsel about it, then can I posit to you that it may not be God's will or God's plans? You look at God's plans. Ishmael, you don't read about Ishmael before that scripture where it's Sarah says, do you know what, Abraham? How about we have a baby with Hagar? But you read about Isaac. Ages and ages and ages passed. Isaac was not conceived the night he was conceived. He was conceived all the way back in Ur of the Chaldees when God first visited Abraham. And it did not change. It did not deviate. It was a very simple plan. I'm going to make you a great nation. God's not coming telling you the complexities of how he's going to fulfill his plan. He's just telling you what it is. And it's a good thing because our faithless hearts may not believe him. It says in that scripture, see the Bible is very smart. The person who wrote that Bible, he's a lot smarter than you or I. When you read it all together, it's very, very good. So just before that scripture where Abraham, uh, where God says, I'm going to make you a very great nation. Just before it, it says, <coughs> Sarah had no children. That's what it says. It said, Sarah was barren and had no children. And so instantly God comes in with the promise. God comes in promise, I'm going to make you a great nation. And what happens when God comes with our promises? We as humans try to make it happen. We try, like Sarah, to make God's will and purpose happen by our own means. We try to manipulate situations and manipulate God. We sometimes have more of a commitment to God's will than God does, in a sense, if you know what I mean, because... When you're so committed to God's will, that's all Sarah might have been thinking. I want a baby, and, I, and God said that we're going to be a great nation. So I'm claiming that promise, but she's not, she's not too bothered about the particulars, how that's going to happen, whereas God is very bothered about the particulars. Sarah was considering a child as an end, whereas God was seeing it as a means. He was looking, God's way more interested in how you get somewhere than the end that you get to. 
God could add to his church a thousand people tomorrow if he wanted. What did he do the, the day of Pentecost? Three thousand in one singular day. God could send revival, no problem. But if God uses you to bring revival and you're not ready for such a thing, then what are you going to do? Get puffed up. You're going to think that you are able to do what it is that God said he was going to do. You see, God's preparing us. He's maturing us. He's working on us. He's sharpening us. He's making us a tool in his arsenal. Nowadays, you know, I guess no one fights with swords, but, you know, if you've got a gun, any form of weapon, they're machine pressed. Very rarely are they handmade. But back then it was handmade. If someone wanted to make it, two-edged sword there's a blacksmith going to work on that he's going to refine it he's going to stick it in the fire he's going to hit it he's going to sharpen it he's going to prepare it that's what's happening to you God's preparing you as a two-edged sword in his arsenal and how is he going to do that by getting you and ramming you in the fire there's a blacksmith who's the owner of that process he's the one who dunks that sword in the fire blacksmith doesn't ask the sword if he wants to go in the fire again no it's going straight back in until that impurity are all taken out until that two-edged sword is sharp enough to be used meat for the master's use you see the passing of time did not change God's plan the birth of Ishmael did not change God's plan Sarah having stopped her monthly cycles did not change God's plan the sin of Abraham with Abimelech did not change God's plan. God's plan was conceived by God and brought about by God himself. He said, I will make you a great nation, Abraham. He was going to do it. And I understand that true sin and true backsliding, we can render ourselves ineffective for God. But when, when you fall on your face, God's not instantly saying, that's it, I'm finished with you. You're done and dusted. The Bible says that Abraham was a great man of faith. And you might say, how can he be a man of faith? He lied to Abimelech about Sarah being his sister and not his wife. Well, do you know what? He got up, he dusted himself off, and he went on to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God. Saints, that's what God is working, working towards. He wants us to be used for his purpose. You see, he has a plan that goes beyond us, goes beyond beyond time, goes beyond space, goes beyond your ability or capacity to fulfill it or think about it, goes beyond this church, goes beyond Limerick City. It was started in eternity's past and is going to be fulfilled on the day that he, re he returns and he reigns on the earth. Saints of God, we're waiting and looking towards that day. And all you are is just a cog in that wheel. You're just another gear. There's nothing special about you, nothing particularly important about you. We're just a vessel for God's work. And if you, you know, and maybe God is like us. Everyone has their favorite cup that they like to drink from at home. You know, tea cup, that's your favorite vessel. And God does have favorite vessels. What did we say last week? The Bible says that in a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver and earthen vessels, and hay, and stubble, some to honor, some to dishonor, but, you know, God wants us meat for the master's use. God's plan being fulfilled, deviations were made, but they were always unwelcome. When deviations to the plan were made, there was always a return back. When Abraham went and sinned, what did he have to do? Return back to Bethel, re-pitch his tent there, and then set his sights back for Hebron yet again. Deviations were made. If you've deviated in your walk with God, then repent, get up, and move on. Set yourself a tent at Bethel and go on to the plan and purpose of God. God does love you and he's not done with you the moment that you make a deviation we all have them saints of God I you know uh, I was talking to Hannah and, and she was saying last week the message preaching about women you know it's so striking for women but it's the same for men I sit there and I think of all the times that I thought of ideas like Sarah oh God what about this and what about that and what about the other and always always bringing it back back to Bethel back to the word of God back to that tent and back to set your sights on Hebron's saying to God if you've deviated at all then it's okay just get back just get back and don't make it worse for yourself if you've dug yourself a little bit of a hole then jump out of it fill it up and go back on with the plan and purpose of God when Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees 
It was Sarah who was his wife, not Hagar. God did not intend on changing his mind. They went on a big deviation there. That's not just a little one. I mean, they birthed an actual child. And for 13 years, they would not see the fulfillment of the promise with Isaac having been born. They went on, they went on a wild goose chase for a while with old Ishmael. Uh, but saying to God, it did not invalidate them. God did not stop with them. He did not blast them off the face of the earth and say, do you know what, Sarah, that's it. That's the last straw. Sarah's immortalized in Hebrews chapter 11 as what? A woman of faith. They speak about the faith of Sarah as something being commendable. Ladies, listen up. If you've ever gotten your own ideas and gone off and, and maybe acted in unsobriety with something and got yourself in a rabbit hole, that's fine. Clear off the rabbit holes. Get back. You can still stand on the word of God. You can still be a woman of faith like Sarah. This woman suggested to her husband that he have a child with her handmaid and yet she still came back to the Lord and the Bible still calls her uh, the faith of Abraham saying to God if you, or sorry the faith of Sarah saying if you read through all the people men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 you're going to be surprised at who made it in there you look at you look at Jephthah who murdered his own uh, daughter um, because he had made a vow but he was a great man of faith because he won a war for Israel look at Samson Samson died blind he was a laughing stock and yet when he pulled down those pillars and destroyed that Philistine army he still the, the net effect of his life was a life of faith if you've messed up you can still have the net effect being a life of faith you're not done yet while you're still here breathing while you're still here in the midst of this church, while you're still here listening to the word of God, while you still have a desire to be a man or woman of faith, then there's hope. There is still hope while you're here in the land of the living. You know, people were omitted from this great plan of God, but the plan was never compromised. We look at Lot. Lot decided to take his leave. Abraham said, look, our herdsmen are fighting. It's getting too, we're just growing too much. This is getting too much. You pick the land and I'll go to wherever you don't pick. The Bible says that Lot set his side eyes on the plains of Jordan. And what were they? Well watered. They looked good. Easy ground to till upon. Much easier than the mountains of Hebron. The shale covered mountains of Hebron where you're standing, you're walking, it's slog. There's no trees for covering. You look down to the, to the plains of of Jordan and he saw they were well watered so he said Abraham I'm just going to pitch my tent towards here and then he made small slight deviations always moving and for a finish where is he living inside in Sodom first set his eyes upon it and then went there God's not going to expand his plan for a lot absolutely not God is not going to change his vision because of a compromiser who desires to live with the wicked every single day the plan and purpose of God does not change based on who is joined and who is left God will never ever compromise his plan he didn't compromise it because of Agar he didn't compromise it because of Ishmael he did not compromise it because of Lot Abraham took the high road Lot moved himself down onto <clears throat> the plains of Jordan and down into Sodom eventually the people tried to change the plan but they were never ever successful that's what Sarah did she tried to change God's plan she, she was not if you took the letter of what they said God, you're going to be a great nation and, and the person's going to come from your loins. You see, Abraham had a chat with God and he said, look, I'm still going childless. God had come to him twice already at this point, said, you're going to be a great nation. Abraham said, look, I am still childless and all I have is Eliezer and he's a nice guy, but he's not the heir to my throne. And if he has to be, fine. God said, it's going to come from your loins. Well, God did not necessarily say that Sarah was involved. Saints, we have to be very careful with logic. I'm a, I'm a logical guy. I like to fancy myself as a logical individual. I like truth. I like to use the brain that God gave me between my two ears. That's what I use in work. I don't work with my hands. I, as Charles Spurgeon said, I work with the sweat of my brain. I like to use logic. God has given you faculties of logic to employ, to be a blessing unto you and those around. But we need to be very careful about how we employ that logic because that very thing that God gave you that should be a blessing will end up being a curse unto you and you'll have a little Ishmael running around because you used what was up here. You didn't go to the word of God. You didn't think about what God wanted for you. You didn't consider the, how God would desire things to be worked out or what was the godliest solution in this situation. The Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. People claim these promises, Brother Keith. You know, the Bible says, oh, God's going to direct my paths. Wait, 
Did you acknowledge him? Did you acknowledge him for all those different things, whether it be whatever it might be, your friends, your families, your relationships, jobs, money, houses, all of these things, even in this church, did we acknowledge him? Did we think about what would God consider about the things that we're doing? Saints, that's a rhetorical question, by the way. Here in this church, we absolutely have. But in our own lives at home, when you're out of the watchful eye of your brothers and sisters and saints, did you acknowledge him? Because if you did, that's a perfectly safe place to be. He's going to direct your paths he's gonna guide you maybe mightn't be as fast as you'd like maybe mightn't be the way that you would want it to be always but saying to God he will direct your path it is a promise God's work God's plans start with God's word that's his plans they start with his word you see birth of Ishmael was the birth of a plan that was not God's plan in uh, Genesis chapter 12 it says now the Lord had said unto Abram The Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of the country from thy kindred, from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee and I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thee a great nation and thou shalt be a blessing. Saying to God, if you've gotten up and left over the Chaldees but you didn't do it based on God's word, then you're, you're out to sea without a paddle. That's how it is. Simply put, what would Abraham have had to hold on to when all of the trials of life were coming against him? He didn't ever see this city. He didn't have Google Street View. He wasn't able to go and have a look and see what this city looked like before he went and he made his way there. All he had to cling on to was God's word. God made a promise to him and God is not a liar. He will fulfill that promise. Bible says in the beginning was what? It was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. God's plans, purposes, ideas, they all begin with his word. That's where they start from. Because if it doesn't, then you've, then, then you've nothing to cling on to. The thing that we cling on to here in this church is the word of God. Not the ideas of man, not Brother Keith. I thank God that he can go away for two weeks and we don't fall apart. Why? Because God is still God. He's just a leader, a member of this church and a very good one, worth double honor. But saying to God, he's not who we cling on to. When the trials of life come, I hope it's not necessarily him you run to, but to the Lord first, because God himself is the provider. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, diligently seek God. We must cling to God's word. It's a boring old message. It's the old path, but that's, that's all you have to, to have. If, if, if I had to stand here and preach a lecture to you about some idea or some thought process, then I'd be nervous. But you know what? I, I'm nervous in some respects, but in others I'm not because it's the word of God. I just have, I have a sheet full of scriptures here and I've got a voice to proclaim them. And that's all I need to do to preach in season and out of season. The modern day pastors, you watch them and all they're doing is trying to make up trendy things trendy things the catchy lines and catchy hooks and things that you can use in your life but that's not too christian so maybe you can use it you know in work in worldly circumstances not something that would make you convicted saints i would not be able to manage that if every single week i had to stand here and try be some great fantastic intellectual that would be too difficult for me i would not be able for that but the word of god has 66 books thousands of i don't know how many different pages many different verses many different scriptures it is a it is an untapped well it's a geyser that's never ever ever going to empty and it's not just there for me as a preacher it's for there for you as the individual believer as the person as the church you've got a wellspring of water in an app on your phone you've got it at home in a bible you've got rivers and joy forevermore in that little book if you want to know god read it People say, oh, uh, you know, God told me in a dream, God told me in a vision, and they neglect their Bible. Saints of God, that is absolutely an oxymoron. It's not possible. People say, oh, I just don't know what God would want me to do in this situation. Have you neglected the Word of God? Because the Word of God makes it very, very clear. Very, very clear. That's why we stand and we open it up for you today. It's like food. You don't just eat raw turnips unless you're Brother Clendenin preparing a church. But generally, for the most part, you do not just eat food as its raw materials. You don't eat raw chicken. I hope you don't. You don't, eat, uh, you don't just eat raw vegetables. You have to cook the potatoes before you eat them. Otherwise, they're undigestible. And it's the same with the Word of God. Yes, you all have it there, but it certainly helps to have a leader. That's why the Bible says one of the qualifications is a leader is 
to be apt to teach so that we can open up the word of God and you might say, this is a little bit difficult for me to understand. I'm not fully sure what this means. And then what do we do? We sit down, we open it up and then you get brought along, you mature and then you can teach the younger people and the newer believers and your friends and your families. Freely we've received and then freely we give out. Saying to God, the idea of the foundation, the birth of Isaac, goes all the way back to Abraham living in his father's house. Abraham did not decide to leave Ur the Chaldees. Sarah did not decide to leave the, uh, Ur the Chaldees. God told him to leave. Abraham could not just decide where to go. It was a land that God would show him. God leads us. If you want to know God's plan for the bride of Christ, for the local church, or for you as an individual... Read his word. Read the Bible. Does God want me to read his word every day? Does God want me to pray every day? Does God want the church to assemble regularly with every member and to break bread? Does God want the church and her members to win souls, preach the Lord, uh, uh, preach the word and love one another? They're rhetorical questions, by the way. Yes, yes, yes to all of them. But how do we know it's given to us in his word? Anything not founded on what's in his word is a plan of Sarah and not not a plan of man it's a plan of the modern day church when she has gone off and she must return and repent of those plans the bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works what does it mean to be furnished you furnish your apartment if an apartment's unfurnished there's no uh, furniture there's no nothing, it's blank. But the man of God, when he leans into the scriptures, he is, that man may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good work. That means the word of God gives you the tools to do all good works as unto the Lord. And I'm not saying that you need to do the good works to be saved, but someone who's born again, what will they show? A pattern of good works. That's what the Bible says. And if show, someone's not showing good works and has no good works, so to speak of, then I would posit to you that they are neglecting the word of God because here it says that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And all of those things then cause you to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Saints of God, the word of God is clear as day. It is plain. It is easy to see. It's there for you. And that's what the plans of man look like. The plans of, or sorry, the plans of God look like. The plans of man, what are they? They're impulsive. They move very quickly. They change direction very fast. They employ techniques that God does not think that we should employ. They employ people that God would definitely not believe that should be employed. You know, um, Brother Paul was uh, on a mission trip one time bringing Bibles into Southeast Asia and you know they, they, they allow people to come and they met another group over there that was bringing Bibles with them and I, I think I'm right in saying Brother Paul there was a man there that was swearing and that it could there could not be and it was not obvious that this man was born again or was saved. I went on a trip myself and there was a, a young man never prayed for 15 minutes in his life. I it was he did not it did not appear to me that this guy was a Christian. No no, no. And yet that man is being, is being used for God's kingdom. Those people are not meat for the master's use. They're liabilities. And you know, nowadays the church is just looking for people. Oh, give someone a job and then they'll come to church more often. We always had that back to front. You want a job in the church, you better be coming to church. Knew a young man one time was asking, how do I serve the church? How do I serve the church? And he was sincerely asking and it opened up an opportunity for me to have a very good conversation with him to say, man, I don't see you every, every, you're only here every third Friday. You're here every Sunday, fine. You're only here every third or fourth Wednesday and Friday. If we give you a job, how do we know that you're going to be here to do it? It's as simple as that, saints of God. It's easy. Maybe you might say that that's too simplistic. Oh, you can't judge people on that. If I get a job and I decided to not show up for two weeks or I decided to just arrive whenever I felt like it, you all know that I wouldn't have a job for very long. I've said on Wednesday just decided, ah, oh, Thursday I was a little bit tired. Um, but no, 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 I'll definitely do it for you. And then all next week you don't see him for two weeks. No communication, no text to say, sorry, not going to be in. In most places of work, 
If you don't uh, communicate, with, if, you, if you go out and you don't communicate with your manager that you're going to be out for three days, that's an automatic termination of contract, right? If you just don't show up for three days, you're automatically terminated. And yet we think we can do it in the church and there's not going to be any ramifications. We think that God treats his bride and thinks, of his, thinks less of his uh, bride than your boss does of that workplace. Saints, it's ridiculous. We must consider these things, take them very, very seriously. If we do not go based on what the Word of God says, then we're just making up our own ideas. We're making up our own gimmicks. We're making up our own games, our own programs. And you might say, I'm preaching to the converted here. What's the point? We don't have these. Saints, it can switch very fast, very, very quickly. God forbid, what happens if, if something were to, if his plane went down on the way back from Turkey? What was going to happen to this church? If, if me and him on the way to Slovakia, plane goes kaput what's going to happen to this church saints of God we must be in a place of maturity where we can stand and hold up the head the head being Christ that's what the Bible says that the body the members are there to hold up the head do you know if you're walking down the street and you saw someone walking like this you'd think you'd know instantly there's something wrong with him you would know instantly that okay that guy's got a neck issue he needs a brace he needs to see a doctor because like a human's neck should not hang like that and yet you look at every church in this land and they're not holding up the head they don't they're headless chickens in fact there is no head they're just a bunch of members that live onto their own cells saying to God we must hold up the head we must consider Christ we must think about these things we must desire to grow in maturity so that we can stand someday if you have not matured in all of the time that you're here in this church then why why? We want to mature. We want to move on. We want to be people of faith. We want to stick to the plan of God. We want to rigidly adhere to it. You might say, I don't, I, that's, that's too complicated for me. Do you realize that the plan is very, very simple? To Abraham here, very simple. Get out of the country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house, and I'll show you. That's all you need to do. One sentence, one sentence was enough to change Abraham's life forever. Why? Because it was the word of God. The word of God. One sentence can do it. God, what did he do? He spoke the universe into existence. Oh, we better not have a light view of the word of God. If God can speak the universe into existence, you know that the English word universe is, means single spoken sentence. Universe like verse in your Bible. That's where it's from. So the actual word itself speaks about God having spoken it into existence. And yet we have such a light view of the word of God. Saints of God, it's so easy to neglect these things. And if you have, then don't be condemned here today. Get up, dust yourself on, move on. The vision as we go on, gets more detailed. It's like with these children. You don't, you don't, you start kids off on great, big, complicated things. You know, if you're, if you know, if you're getting them to help tidy up, you start with them just putting them in the box. Yeah, don't flip the box over. Put it in the box. Put it in the box. And then you've got a kid like Thomas. I don't have to teach him how to put stuff in the box. You just say, Thomas, can you clean up? And he already understands the complexities of what that means. My son, who's much younger, you cannot do that. You have to hold the box. He has to have the thing. He has to put it in there. It's very simple. Why? Because there are different stages of maturity. And it's the same with us and the Lord. As we move on with the plan and the purpose of God, God's going to leave us in on it more depending on our own faithfulness. That's what happened to Abraham. First said, get up and go. I'll show you the land that you're going to be. And then the next time he talks to him, he says, look out. So, you know, Abraham's looking for more details. He says, look out. Dust of the earth. If someone can count it, then that's going to be your children. So Abraham's getting a greater picture and more detail as to what the will and the purpose looks like. Why? Because Abraham's showing himself more and more faithful as time goes on. The next time, it's in fact a dialogue between God and Abraham. And he says, God, I'm going childless and Eliezer is the only one that I have here. And so God says, gives him a little bit more insight, says, no, no, it's not to be Eliezer. It's going to come from your loins. It's going to be your child. The next time we hear about Isaac, it's 13 years after Ishmael and Abraham's 19, nine years old and the Lord appeared unto Ishmael. Do you know what? We read the Bible for 15 minutes in the morning and we're waiting for an angel of heaven at the door. We're waiting for God to speak to us. We know that once we do our McShane's that an angel standing at the door waiting to reveal all mysteries unto us. 
Saints, you might have to wait 13 years. You might have to show yourself faithful. You might have to show, it might take two days, guys. Look, I'm sorry. It might take a full week of reading your McShane's before the angel of the Lord appears with flaming swords. All right? But saints of God, Abraham showed himself faithful. So what did God do? He was faithful unto Abraham. And so eventually what happened? God appears unto him. Then what happens? The angel of the Lord comes to Abraham's tent. Abraham feeds them. And then they walk on down to Sodom and they look, and those very angels go in and remove Abraham, uh, Abraham's nephew out of, um, out of Sodom because judgment's coming. What does this all show? It's Abraham's faithfulness. You know, the Bible says, for whoever much is given of him, much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much of them, they will also act more. So there is a greater expectation to people where there is more given. If, uh, if uh, you know, if, I'm, if some guy comes in this door while Keith's away and something happens, I'm going to be on the chopping block more than, you know, a visitor. No one's, Keith's not going to give out to a visitor who's never been in before. Why? Because they're not, you know, they, they're not here very long. They, they're not expected to have that same level of commitment and faithfulness to this body. And it's the same with us and God's commitment to his plan. If you want God to reveal himself to you, he absolutely will. If you want more of God, he absolutely will. It is not... God withholding blessings from you. It's you withholding them from yourself because God is willing to give unto you. If you said, oh, I'm not getting saved and I've done everything that God said, I've done everything and you know, you're putting the blame on God and that's a very, very dangerous place to be. God has made himself willing, available to anybody that so seeks it. The Bible says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're not born again, it's your fault and not God's. And if you can, if you've ever murmured unto yourself thinking I've done everything I've done everything I've done everything and then can I tell you that you're wrong here today the Bible says that he that is faithful in the least is faithful also in much and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much why would God reveal his plan to Abraham if Abraham ignored it in the first place why would he? If he said, get up out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham just stayed there and didn't do it. Now look, we understand that Abraham was told, leave Terah, his dad, at home, and he brought him with him. So I'm not saying that Abraham held, adhered to it perfectly, but again, we're, look, we're not talking about the, the little, small time. We're talking about over time, Abraham showed himself to be a man of great faith, and so God was faithful unto him. The Bible says that Abraham was God's friend. He was actually a friend of God. Saints of God, if you want God to be faithful unto you, then you better be faithful unto God. We give God an hour a week and we expect him to give us 50 hours in return. We, 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 we pray for 15 minutes in the morning and we think that God's going to be on call any moment of the day or night just for us, no matter what. And look, I understand God is available. God is there for us to call upon him. God is omnipresent. He is, he is omnipotent. He knows all things, right? So I understand that. But I'm trying to paint a picture here for you. Is that why, if you only give him a little bit of your life, why would he then invade much into your life? He, 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 he shows himself to be about as much as you allow him in there. And that's how this works, saints of God. If you're faithful in a little bit then he's going to be faithful and much and then it'll also show that you're faithful and much God was able to send the angel of the Lord to Abraham why because over many years and over a span of time geographical locations thoughts ideas slips pitfalls stumbling blocks Abraham was faithful to the cause he was faithful to the promise he re trusted and, and, and he trusted and rested in God's word and believed that God was able to do all of these things and so what was God going to do God sent an angel to visit him God sent an angel there to visit him and saying to God I'm finishing up God tested God tests our hearts over time and in so doing tests our commitment to his plan Oh, preacher, that's legalism. Oh, preacher, you can't say that. Oh, once I'm born again, then I'm a new creature and that's it. No matter what I do, it's all just new and it's all just new and improved and I don't have to give anything to God. He gives all showers of blessing unto me. Saying to God, 
that doesn't work out there in that world. If you ever, any of you ever played team sports, played, you know, rugby or football, or if you're ever part of any form of social club, you know, if you weren't, it was all, the people who were committed, they started. They were the ones who started on the team because they were the ones who improved. They were the ones that got better. If an Olympic swimmer tells me, you know, all Olympic swimmers, they're training at five o'clock in the morning, five days a week. They're training in seven, this is not an exaggeration. They are up in the pool for two hours at five, six o'clock in the morning every single day at 15, 16, 17 years of age and they're doing the same thing again at night at five, or five, six, seven. They're there for another hour or two in the pool and might have one or two days off in a week. They are committed to the cause. And even the Apostle Paul himself said, look at the Olympians. He says, they're running for a crown that's corruptible and yet we run for a crown that is incorruptible. Your level of commitment will also be measured with your level of prosperity and I don't mean money, far from it. I mean prospering in the Lord. If you want to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in its season, then you better make sure you are by the rivers of water. If you're a tree that gets himself up and dips in the river just for a little bit and then goes back out into the world for the other six days of the week, then you're not going to prosper. You're not going to bring forth fruit. You're going to be uh, frail. You're going to easily break, brittle, valley of dry bones, all of these things, saints of God. And saints, the last thing I want us to look at here is Isaac. This name, Isaac, do you know what it means? God, he says, I will call him Isaac because God hath made me to laugh. Oh, saints, it's amazing. Go with me to in your Bible, to Genesis 21 in verse 3. Verse 3, it says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old. And when his son Isaac was born unto him, and Sarah said, God had made me to laugh, so that all will hear, and sorry, all that hear will laugh with me. Isaac is a testimony of God's faithfulness to everybody that reads the Bible. He's a testimony that God is faithful and willing and able to do not only the improbable, but the impossible. When we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us. Yes, Abraham and Sarah made blunders along the way. Yes, they were not perfect when God needed them, but they were there. When God needed them, they were there. Do you know, you read about Abraham's life and you will not read about a perfect man. You will read about a man who had faith, but you won't read about a man who did everything absolutely perfect. You will, the Bible has inscribed within it the things that Abraham got wrong. And last week we spoke about the things that both Sarah and Abraham got wrong. I mean, Sarah got all the flack, but Abraham shouldn't have done that. Saints of God. But there was a man of faith immortalized in scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. You've got Abraham there. You've got Sarah there. Where were they when God wanted to fill his plan? They were there. Do you know there's many people that were part of this church. They missed the blessing of God. Why? Because they just weren't there. They just were not present when the blessing came. You know, I, I was saved, what, four or five years by the time that my wife Hannah walked into the church down the back of the meeting. That was at a, that was at a, a time in the church where I don't know where things necessarily terribly exciting. It was a difficult year for me in particular. And, uh, you know, I had friends and they used to say friends that were a part of this church and they're no longer here and haven't been for many years. And they used to pine because, oh, how could God send me a partner? And there's no Christian girls around. And uh, I was too immature at the time to challenge that. You know, it would be totally different now. But at the time, I kind of would, you know, arm around the shoulder and, you know, say, oh, yeah, you know, oh, that's terrible, blah, blah, blah. But. I didn't know, I wasn't mature enough. And, uh, you know, he would pine over those things. But saints of God, that's murmuring. That's saying that God, you know, he's basically saying, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And yet about two or three years later, I'm just in a normal Bible study, not a special Bible study. There was no Brother Robin preaching. There was no mountains of fire. It was just a normal Bible study in one of the cold November, December months. It was not a nice day. I was probably tired coming into church that day. And my wife is standing at the back of the church. A woman who when first came to Ireland to a year previous was not even a Christian. 
Saints of God, that's a God who does the impossible. That is a God who is prepared to do the impossible if you'll just be there when he's willing to do it. You know, you don't have to be some great person of faith. You know, being a great person of faith doesn't mean that you got spiritual muscles coming out your ears. Sometimes it's just being there. It's being present, knowing that he is faithful, knowing that he is willing, knowing that he will deliver on promises that he made. You see, the difference between me and that friend of mine who ended up going out and going off with an unsaved girl and they're broken up now because that's how unsaved situations go generally went away, did his own thing he still doesn't have anything before the Lord still backslidden and yet now I've got a wonderful little family why? just because I was there not because I was a great person of faith but faith made me to not move faith made me to not stray the path and in that God blessed me in doing that God wants to pour out his blessings but you know the difference between he and I is that I was staying whether I was going to have a wife or whether I was a eunuch unto the Lord I was serving him I was not going to move as a result I was not married to the idea of being married I was married to Christ and I wanted to fulfill his plan if there was going to be a wife by my side praise the Lord that's wonderful if we had kids in the midst of it that's an even better blessing on top of it but my the sufficiency is in Christ the, Christ is the one who grants me my fulfillment? nobody else no relationship no church no uh, money in my bank account no car that I drive the fulfillment comes from Jesus Christ himself and you know what if you are faithful and maybe you did have a little bit of a wobbly along the way then maybe maybe just maybe God will have a testimony for you and that testimony's name will be Isaac why because every time people will see it they will see that I laughed and I want them to laugh with me. That's what Sarah says. She doesn't look on that despairing, although of course, I mean, it was repented. She moved on with it. But she's saying that God did something so impossible that I'm naming that thing Isaac oh saints that Limerick would have an Isaac revival that something so impossible would come from Limerick the stab city that something so improbable would come from here that we would look at that we call it the Isaac revival because when you say to Limerick when you say to people oh I'm in a church in Limerick and that person might be from Dublin and they look at you cross-eyed saying Limerick there's a church in Limerick I didn't think they had that just dull cues and and you know tracksuit pants that's all all that's in Limerick saying to God we want we, we want revival and we want a revival that is predicated on God's plan and what God does saying to God let's have that Isaac revival in Limerick let's stand Father we glorify you O God we worship you O God we praise you O Father we magnify your holy name O God Lord do the impossible O God Lord in our midst O God Lord pour out fire O God Lord upon us O God touch us O God Lord that we might have a renewed greater commitment and consecration unto you Lord we pray O God give us Isaac's O Father. Lord, we pray, O God. Lord, give us your plan and purpose fulfilled in our midst, O God. Lord, that we might look of it, of our faithlessness and your faithfulness, O God. We thank you, O God. Lord, that you are faithful to the promise, O God. And you are faithful, O God, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we exalt you, O God. Oh, we praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.